podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. In today's episode, we have a returning guest, Chetan. Hello, Chetan. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, Skanda. Nice to meet you and I'm, welcome, I'm very happy to be back. Absolutely. We are also very happy to have you back because I think we miss a very unique perspective. Somebody who is a professional sportsman of a different sport, in your case, tennis, can bring to, you know, watching cricket from a purely professional perspective, not from an armchair perspective. So, I always look forward to our chats. So, let's see how it pans out. So, you've been looking at the cricket uh, ongoing for all of these years. Lot of, lot of T20 tournaments and then now we have test series beginning again. This is the, you know, the summer of the Southern Hemisphere and so on. So, looking at how things are progressing, I think we can start off with first the test matches. So, there is now a very interesting test going on between Zimbabwe and uh, West Indies. So, did you get a chance to catch up with this test? Yes, I have been and I was very interested because firstly, I thought it was two balanced teams taking on each other Mm. on a good batting track. Mm. But what unfortunately happened was we lost on more than half the days on the first two days. Right. Otherwise, which we could have definitely had a result. But even now, there is a small chance, but it seems to be disappearing because Zimbabwe are getting back to the game with balances century. Well, he's 99 not out, but let's not jinx him. Let's say he gets to 100. So, at the time of this recording, balance is batting on 99 not out. But if you go one step back, if you look at West Indian innings, a proud moment for the Chandrapals. Definitely. And what I also see, there are two ways of looking at it. One is the arrival of Chandrapal. He also had a very gritty knock in Australia, Absolutely. if I remember. Yeah. Secondly, him getting to a landmark, which will boost his confidence in international cricket. Mm-hmm. Apparently, his first first class double century. Absolutely. He had got a 180 mm. in his domestic uh, circuit. Mm. But in international, he has got his double century. Thirdly, they in future, you know, against better bowling teams and uh, better bowling wickets, they might need to separate them as both the, both of them occupy the crease for a very long time, mm. which may not because in this test they could accelerate when they wanted to. Yeah. But again, in the against stronger teams, they might not be able to do that even if they stick at the wicket. Indeed. So. They took their time in the first two days. Maybe it was a sort of a start-stop sort of a situation. But you would expect if two unbeaten batsmen remain at the end of close to 90 overs, you would expect more than 221 on on the scorecard, right? You would expect maybe 260, 270. Definitely, I would expect that. And as I said, this is two evenly matched sides. Mm. They're both playing against even somebody like Sri Lanka or Bangladesh will need to score at a higher rate to put pressure on them. Because the other team, once they come out chasing the same 
say in the same number of overs mm-hmm. they will definitely have 75 to 100 runs more which mm. pre- puts pressure back on west indies look if if you look at the overall innings a run rate of 3.13 is not bad yes but considering the platform they had you would expect maybe a run rate of 3.5 plus as you say over a 130 140 overs that would add a 75 to 100 run more cushion you're right so because it's now a four day game effectively they were forced to declare a bit early then they would have liked i suppose but then when you look at the zimbabwe innings any surprises for you for with the backbone they've shown no actually because number one because they are playing at home hmm. and usually the harare and bulawayo hmm. are very good batting wickets right even when they had results like say against pakistan hmm. it was i think at the fifth day after tea Uh-huh. something like that uh-huh. so it's not it's always gone the distance in zimbabwe right. because the wickets don't uh, you know get spoilt or whatever help turners rank turn, it doesn't become rank turners say by day 4 and day 5 all right so what i really appreciate is the stickability shown by the zimbabwean batters so you see the top two innocent kaya also on debut made a very great 67 and uh, tanunurwa makoni i hope i got his name right made a 33 on debut and see they are really without many of their good batsmen there's no shawn williams there's no sikandar raza right but then they have a they have an interesting guy batting right carry balance from england who's now gone back to his roots in zimbabwe and they would surely very gladly have him and he's proven his worth in the very first test back 107 not out yes and this most important fellow this match is mouta mouta spinner he has also brought them back with in the their bowling innings and now scored a half century absolutely which is very important for uh, them coming back into the match absolutely so when you say you know from 192 for 7 it could have gone all wrong if they were let's say 225 all out okay. right from 192 for 7 if they have reached a 313 for 7 all thanks to gary balance but also very solid batting from brendan mota the way you look at him bat it doesn't look like he is a tail ender lower middle order batsman very comfortable again he's also taken up 112 balls batting at number 8 yeah number 9 so this is very good very good for zimbabwean cricket the steel that they are showing correct so they all but with this partnership they all but saved the test match i would think but of course there is day 5 and things can happen very fast but Mm. with this partnership i think they have almost put an end to this match i mean if if you think about it from 313 if they were to make 360 370 minimum you would think they would be safe but then you know there we are talking uh, in the days of uh, baseball whatever ball so you you could think west indies have some smashing cricketers or cricketers who can smash yes uh, you might see kyle myers opening the innings people like jason holder people like uh, uh, raymond reefer being promoted up the order to try and push the run rate up so what are the chances you see let's say zimbabwe are all out with 10 hours left in the day and west indies get to a lead of 75 okay let's talk something theoretical in this case do you see west indies being able to maybe bat quickly declaring just before lunch tomorrow maybe with a target of 250 definitely 250 to 300 mm. with around 50 hours to go mm. for zimbabwe's batsmen Right. because it is more important for the west indies right. to come out here with a win absolutely. than for zimbabwe absolutely because uh, yes at the present moment they might be even teams hmm. but through history of cricket when you see that 
until recently, maybe even the early 2000-2010, West Indies still considered dominant against Zimbabwe. For sure, for sure. I mean, look, it's a long discussion to discuss the history of West Indian cricket and how they have how they have turned out. But if you think about it, I always back the underdog. So for me, I'm very happy to see in this contest Zimbabwe the underdog, even though they're playing at home, doing so well. So sort of if you're a Test match fan, it's a heartwarming story, must say. Yeah? Yes. All right. Let's see how this Test match ends in the coming uh, day. Definitely. Now, on to the next game. Uh, it's sort of interesting if you look at uh, the final of the Tri-Series, the Women's T20 Tri-Series that happened, where surprising result for you, India women losing so tamely in the end. Yes, if they are especially batting first and not setting a target of say 130, 140 mm. with their spin capability and the vulnerability of South African batswomen against spin, mm. it is definitely uh, not so great. Mm. But again, the match was bra- brought back to life by Trion. In the last 6 to 7 overs, I watched that innings ah. where she scored 50 of 30 balls. So, that is what was really brought the life back into the match, otherwise of which looked more like a test match for around uh, 35 overs almost. Absolutely, I think you got it right because, look, um, when you look at India's batting, Smriti Mandana couldn't get off to a good start and Jamaima Rodriguez also couldn't you know, get going. But then, I think a lot of kudos to Malaba, right? I'm not even going to try and pronounce her first name. And Shabnim Ismail, right? So, these two tied the big-hitting Indian openers down, right? So, when you look at a score of 3 for 69 in the 15th over, when um, Harman Kaur gets out. So, Harley Indian sort of, sort of holds one end up, right? And she's only able to score at a strike rate of 85. Look, in a, in a women's T20 game, 130 is a really good score as well, right? Yes. I, I would think if you're an Indian team, you'd be very disappointed with this performance because they only ended up losing four wickets. Yes, the, I think the biggest factor here is they are missing uh, Shafali Verma, who oh, yeah. had just uh, won the Under-19 uh, World Cup uh-huh. as captain uh-huh. at the same venue, that is South Africa. Right. Well, but then, you know, after bowling really well, South Africans also didn't get to a great start. Right. Yes. I mean, they lost their first three wickets with hardly any score on the board, 3 for 21. And this is already in seventh over, right? So, there is a bit of internal struggle there behind the scenes, some things are going on, you know. Um, Marizan Kaap pulled out because her wife, we don't know if that's the absolute same reason, but her wife was left out, Danefa Nikar, one of the probably most influential women cricketers around, not just for South Africa, women cricketers around, period, right. So she was left out and uh, well, we know the discussion behind it. So there's a fitness component here and so on and unfortunately, rules are in black and white. And they decided to enforce it as such. So you can't really blame the authorities, I would think. There is a lot of debate going on on that. So I just want to quickly ask you, what are your thoughts on somebody like Danefa Nikar, right? She's a top batter, a top bowler. You could think the most inspirational captain as well. So somebody who's like all-round talisman in the South African side. So she was left out because, well, she was late enough, 18 seconds behind the required mark. And But that was her personal best. So then comes the question of, Cricket fit versus sport fit or athletic fit. Yeah. So, you are a sport professional yourself. You teach tennis and you play tennis on a day-to-day basis. So, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, in cricket, sometimes you can even maybe overlook 
some of the fitness components, especially if you are a batter and a spinner. Hmm. Fast bowler, yes, you have to be top notch. See, the first example, especially in T20, hmm. I will give is Azam Khan. Yeah. He bats unbelievably well, unbelievable good hand-eye coordination, and he is not really fit, you know, uh, fit, fit, you know, he's not really lean. Uh, so as Cornwall from West Indies. Absolutely. So okay. he is a very good spinner and a very good batsman, but not really the fit modern cricketer which everyone now possesses, every team possesses now, whether it's a woman or a man. But look, I mean, this is a very nuanced topic for me, simply because if you set a different boundary for a batsman and a bowler or a batter and a bowler, are you being just because they are both cricketers of the same team? It is not being just at all. Mm. But the requirements also are vastly different. Correct. Correct. So but then if you wear pads and bat for 40 hours, it does take a lot out of you. Yes, definitely. Right? definitely. You might say Dene will play a T20 World Cup and she's coming from multiple injuries. Right? And she's always, let's put it very politely, not a svelte girl. She's been a stocky girl. So in that case, look, she's tried her best. She's gotten to a point where her performances are what matter, right? But then you say, if this was announced a year ahead of time, and a year is a lot of time, right? For somebody to try and get to a fitness mark. And yes. there were some rumors flying that the South African management never really supported her and so on. But they came out to clarify saying we met her even eight or 10 weeks before the deadline and we tried telling her, you have to get to this mark, otherwise our hands might be forced. So, and then that, that was what happened in the end, right? So, I mean, uh, failing to meet the requirement by 0.8 of a second might be forgiven. One second, two seconds, you might overlook it. 18 seconds, you cannot overlook it, right? Cannot overlook it. But also, one thing is, it's uh, now the T20 World Cup is at home. Exactly. In that way, it would have been very beneficial to have her. Hmm. And of course, uh, to be a little controversial, I think Rohit Sharma is not extremely hmm. pass, you know, passing all the fitness guidelines in India, which... Uh, well, let me put it like this. They have multiple tests. There is something called um, your beep test. There is something called a skin fold test. And there is also something called a muscle density test or something. So, three varieties of tests. Let me put it like this. He may not pass at least one of those. I think we know which one. Right? But we don't know how fast he is on the field. I mean, we see him, he's, he's meeting the requirements. But we do know he breaks down from time to time. We don't know if it's because of the extra timber he carries. But it could simply be because of other issues, right? So, in any case, that's a good example. So, I'll put you on the spot. Does the Indian management make exceptions for certain players? Definitely. Simply because they might have leadership credentials or an important role within the team. Definitely. And I would also put that exception for Rohit Sharma when it comes to limited over cricket, hmm. but not in terms of test cricket. Well, he's also the testing captain now. Yes, but again, I, I we have already seen people like, uh, whether it may be KL Rahul, whether it may be Mayank Agarwal, huh. they scored abroad yeah. very early in their careers, which was not the case with Rohit Sharma. He very came true. in late in the career hmm. and his almost first important big series was the England fighters matches a uh -huh. couple of years ago. Right. Even though he come, came into the fray in 2013. Mm. And this is where he actually cemented himself with the century in the oval. That was a much swell Troy Sharma. Right? 
But now, this Rohit Sharma is not probably the leanest he's been in his career. Yeah? Mm. Um, in terms of uh, the bulk, the timber he carries. But look, let's park that on the side. But now coming back to Danefa Nekar, Marizan Kapar wife, we don't know if that's the absolutely correct, the same reason, but it's been rumored she may have pulled out because of the frustration it caused her when in spite of her wife's best attempts, she couldn't get in. Is this right on her part? Because Marizan Kapp is the next most important player in that lineup because yeah, of the balance. When you think about the national team, hmm. it may not. It is definitely not right. You want to serve your country in the uh, World Cup, definitely. Correct. But again, personal reasons, if you can say, maybe you can put it above your professional interests. I find this a bit of a paradox. Because they say your personal life is the most important one. But then they say, when you are a person who has the opportunity to play for a country, for your country, you cannot let the country down. So, how do you weigh one from the other? It's like, are you like a soldier? Like, you have to go, you have to go and defend your country. It's almost like that. It doesn't matter what's happening in your personal life simply because your country needs you. But then, alright, it's, it's a, again a very nuanced topic. We'll park it for now. Yes. So, but then she has only pulled out of the Tri-Series final. Yeah. She, I think we'll, she'll still be available for the World Cup. I hope so. But do you see any chance that the authorities may reconsider the situation given the backlash? And if they do it, would it be right that if they were to include Danefa Nekar back into the squad? It would definitely, for from the cricketing sense, it would definitely be right. Huh. With only a couple of days to go, hmm. will they do that so quickly? That is the question. Uh, my gut instinct says no. <laughs> right? Alright. Now, moving on to the next game we would like to discuss. This is the finals of the BBL. So, it was a very, very thrilling game. Perth Scotches versus... Uh, Brisbane Heat. So, uh, coming into this final, I would say, Perth Scotches were actually the favourites. They were they were playing really well throughout and in our previous episode, we had somebody who sort of was backing Perth Scotches. So, but when you look at the scorecard, you think a lot of things went right for Perth Scotches in those last four overs. Right? So, first of all, batting first, Brisbane Heat put up a very creditable total. So, in a final 175 in a T20 game, is quite, quite, daunting right so first of all they had good contributions from their top three and then decent contributions from five and six but then you have to give a lot of credit to jason berendorf matthew kelly mainly who sort of stuck back made sure now from the from being 105 or so in the 12th over they couldn't cross into a 180 or 190 which which would have probably been 25 if not 30 runs above par right in a final because of the pressure so then they did well Perth Scotches, first of all, with the ball to finish it off and keep them under 180. But then, when it came to their batting, their top three or four really didn't go anywhere, right? They were all scoring at a strike rate of very close to 120 or 100 teens, right? 100 and teens. And then, except maybe a little bit Aaron Hardy tries his it best. But then, you, you see, it was a miraculous comeback from them. In the last six hours of that game, I mean, if, if you are watching this game, you think the game is dead and buried. Because you have Michael Nasser, you have Spencer Johnson, you have James Basley. These are all people who have been doing really well for Brisbane Heat. You would think this game is sort of done and dusted. But the way they really came back, wonderfully thanks to Ashton Turner. And then also thanks to mainly Nick Hobson and Cooper Connolly. Basically, after Ashton Turner's dismissal, 
they scored 42 43 runs in a matter of just 17 18 balls what sort of uh, what sort of uh, steel does it take to perform with such you know cool calculated way to win a t20 tournament what what does it tell you about these two people yes see firstly coming back see both both the innings if you look at it it's the 15 to 20 over that has changed the course of the innings right so with the ball and with the bat as mm. you said mm. as per the cool uh, instinct of the players there the batsmen who took them across the line they really have definitely all array of shots i think that is where it uh, talks a lot about modern t20 mm. where the batsmen have an array of shots and he moves just after or just before the release of the ball mm. which can get the ball uh, which from which they can get the ball into different areas of the ground where the fielders are not there of course there's hitting ability mm. and the most important thing about that is after turner dismissal both the strike rates are much higher than 200 well that was what was required they met it yes so that was remarkable from both the players it is usually possible from one player and the other player probably playing at 130 to 150 mm. but mm. both playing one above 250 and one above 220 was the game changer over there and they went all out for it mm. without see in such situation any sport you don't really think about the finishing line right there that's okay. when the problem can happen mm. if you have to only think ball by ball or point by point in other sports right otherwise it's not possible so they kept their cool couple of youngsters in terms of cricketing experience wonderful performance and very deserved that perth scorchers took the bbl 2022 trophy so congratulations to them now i think we should get into the meat of the matter let's get into a preview of the border gavaskar trophy which is going to start off in a couple of days so let me ask you a question at the very outset if we can break it down right at the top and then go deeper into details what do you think will be the result of the series i would go for 3-1 definitely australia 3-1 india oh the reason is of course see the number one reason i would say warner has not had a very good time in india hmm. when it comes to test cricket Hmm. and that is basically the start of the innings right and, and in india we have seen especially after ms dhoni's captaincy the spinner coming in in fifth or the sixth over hmm right in the even the early 2000 if we remember hmm. even somebody like zimbabwe right they used to score 300 350 in the first innings hmm then even teams like south africa and uh, australia after 2010 they have struggled to put up 200 on the board in the first innings right where the spinners are dominant from say even as early as between lunch and tea on day 1 hmm so if that is the scenario then definitely india will have an upper hand where it would make a difference is if the pitch has a little bit of juice and india are put into bat right. or they choose batting ah. that is the realistic chance of australia having any say in the test match or the series right so if you look at i think that's a very bullish prediction because i think a 2-2 sort of a score seems more reasonable and it, i expect four results out of four by the way no draws really because i don't think weather will intervene much so let's get started with um, the indian squad so 
we have Shreyas Iyer who is normally in the middle order but then he has a bad back so he probably will not play Rahul will open Gill will play in the middle order this is exactly the opposite of what they do in ODI setup probably right and then you have returning skipper Rohit you have Kohli you have Pujara so very solid and Gill and then who would be your number 6 currently going by the recent form it should be Akshar Patel wow you would bat Akshar Patel that high yes because see the the batting form he has shown hmm. of late because see the bowling there will be two or three spinners some in one of the tests correct two will be a definite hmm. and in indian team there are two things when it comes to home cricket cricket at home right the batsman the top four hmm. at least two are kind of expected to get 100 runs yeah. this number six the fast batting or attacking batting what he has shown in the recent past hmm. though it might be in limited overs cricket or against England in test cricket last year at home hmm. definitely carries a lot of value and he is a player who is on the rise and not a player who is saturated hmm. or not a player who is going down right. in, in terms of his career so ah. that is where his confidence is really high at the present moment look we have to acknowledge the loss of Pant will be a big one yes huge one but then you know there is Surya Kumar Yadav and Ishan Kishan in the squad. So would Ishan Kishan take the place of Pant one-on-one or would Shrikar Bharat who has been sort of in the squad as his understudy for a while, who would be the keeper? I would definitely go for Ishan Kishan. Number one is a, provides a left-hand batting option yeah. which is you know we are overloaded with right-handers at the top. Mm-hmm. So that will be a better option and in terms of the attacking instinct. Right. And but in terms where it will not hurt us a lot mm. is the series is played at home. Right. Pant's absence would have been really felt if it was in the Sena country, uh, South Africa, yes. England, uh, because three out of four countries he has already got hundreds. Absolutely, and he likes the ball coming onto a bat and bouncing a bit more. Yes. Yeah? Because here there are spinners bowling, but then that's also his forte, right? He wouldn't let a spinner bowl at him. He will charge him. It, it's going to be entertaining however long it lasts. Yes. But as a test match fan, that's going to be a big miss for me. Yes. But if you were to talk purely from how the team composition would go, so would India be safer picking a slightly more sedate Shrikar Bharat? Because, you know, at 6, now I'm talking at number 6. So we have nailed the first 5 down because Gil is going to be at 5. Then comes 6. So we it's Ishan Kishan versus Shikhar Bharat. For me, Shikhar Bharat might not be a bad pick simply because I think his glove work is more mature against spinners. Right? Yes. That is, that, well, the keeper's first role is to make sure he doesn't spill chances, caught behind, stumps, yeah. that sort of thing, right? Because uh, would a fast 80 outweigh a, you know, sedate 35, right? Whereas you get that solidity behind the stumps, what Riddhi Saha used to give us, eh? the Indian team, for example, right? So, because until Vridhi Saha was sort of sidelined and sort of let go, you thought it was always Vridhi Saha in home conditions because of superior glove work versus Pant in the overseas conditions because he had more time and of course with his batting, right? So, would it now still make sense for you that Kishan be picked? Because you know, Ashwin can bat at home. Akshar will definitely be able to bat at home and potentially there is this guy called Jadeja 
who has been sitting on the sidelines, but he sort of played one or two first-class games to show his fitness, match fitness. So then comes the question: Definitely, two of these three will play, right? So you have a slightly longer batting order. Then would you not pick Shikhar Dhawan? Definitely, I would. In home conditions, definitely, uh, we would, uh, as you said right now, uh, give more value to glove work right. than batting because our other batters can play. Absolutely. Look. what i saw of ishan kishan in the limited over squads a limited over games i was not particularly happy that's all i mean look it nothing against he's a very young man he's a growing and a more improving man and his skills will grow but shikhar bharat is closer to the finished product when it comes to keeping against spinners his glove work is much more uh, dynamic that's what i see right yes. he crouches lower maybe it's also this lower center of gravity so on right he's a slightly shorter man so i would go with shikhar bharat because you have ashwin and aksar who can also bat So it's more like Gill is for me a little bit of an unproven quantity at in that Test match number five position, right? So then comes the other debate. So would you include two or three spinners? Would you go with two fast bowlers, or would you go the previous Aras thought process where you would have three fast bowlers and potentially only two spinners? In fact, if you ask me, uh, there is no seam bowling all rounder in India. I think who can bat very well. Really, uh, that, somebody like Green. Yeah, that ah. is where we lack. Otherwise, we would have gone with one fast bowler, ah. one seam bowling all rounder, and three and three spinners like oh, yeah. uh, like Ganguly's era. Uh, that would have been that is, would have been very good because everyone knows Australia is good against fast bowling. On these pitches, especially when maybe in the middle of the day, later in the Test match. Yeah? Yes, ah. so. it would have it would have been very good if we had that option huh. and able to pick three spinners right all of us what we discussed would have been good with the bat too in home conditions right then comes the question of fast bowling for india right so you have siraj you have shami right no bumra right and then jayadevanath cut is in the picture right so among these three let's say we start there would you play all three because punath cut can bat the other two not so much but on going by current form there is no way siraj will sit out so siraj is a starter for me right but then you also have umesh yadav so and umesh yadav will not be able to bat much and he may chances arm shami same thing he may chances arm he may give you a 15 he may not give you that right so from that perspective based on what you just said there is no batting all rounder who is also who can bat well a medium pace batting all rounder he is not there So, with this in mind, what will be our last five, the bowlers plus all-rounders slot? Last five bowlers plus all-rounders will definitely be Akshar, Jadeja, Ashwin, Siraj, Shami. Oh. Shami, because huh. the opposition, because the opposition, second inning specialist. Huh? Yeah, because uh-huh. the opposition is has definitely compared to even his overseas experiences huh. are much heavier than Umesh Yadav. Though Umesh Yadav is very good at home, exactly reversing the ball and things like that, getting wickets precisely because their batting quantities both are the same. Hmm. They can hit a few sixes, twenty, thirty, maximum. Right. Otherwise, they might get out cheaply. Hmm. And batting again in Indian situation, we may not even require too much batting from the lower order. Hmm. Our top order in India are uh, pretty sensible and expected to get uh, good score. Hmm. before it gets to say number 7 all right then comes the interesting question for me 
वुड यू पिक कुलदीप यादव अहेड ऑफ रविंद्र जडेजा और अक्षर पटेल आई थिंक अश्विन इज नेल्ड ऑन यू आई डोंट सी दैट बीइंग एबल टू ड्रॉप अश्विन बिकॉज ही आल्सो बैट्स जडेजा कैन बैट प्रॉब्ली ऑन हिज डे जडेजा इज एज गुड इफ नॉट बेटर देन अश्विन अक्सर फॉर मी आई ट्रस्ट हिम मोर इन लिमिटेड ओवर्स बट वेन इट कम्स टू टेस्ट फॉर मी इज अ लिटिल बिट ऑफ एन अनप्रूवन क्वांटिटी विद द बैट बट देन Jadeja and Aksar are sort of similar bowlers faster bowlers whose ball doesn't turn much but they'll be right there you have to play every ball with the bat and their accuracy and their slight changes with lengths and so on but Kuldeep is the wrist spinner and he's a left arm wrist spinner one of the very few out there except maybe Shamsi right so then with this in mind let me put it the other way will Kuldeep start and maybe will he play more than two tests in the series that's the question i would like you to answer see if now coming to the variety part mm. in the spin mm. okay and mm. what we discussed earlier that we don't require too much batting from our bowlers in home conditions mm-hmm. as a variety right then you can go with ashwin jadeja and kuldeep mm. even sacrificing akshar's batting ability right so in that way as you said akshar and jadeja both they take a lot of wickets with their arm balls more than the balls which turn absolutely So Ashwin, there is no question of leaving him in the subcontinent or the West Indies. He is a real legend. So we have, we can go with Kuldeep instead of Akshar. I think, I think Kuldeep may have turned the corner in terms of his own belief in his abilities. He sort of at the age twenty eight, twenty nine, where Rispinas come into their own. It takes a bit of time. So I would back, but I would back Kuldeep. Let's say, but I think this this decision, Akshar slash Jadeja versus Kuldeep. will hinge on a couple of factors one how well jadeja has shaped up and how happy the team management are with his fitness with this you know the way he has returned but more importantly what does the pitch show us or them two days before the test match begins which is today effectively right the test match starts on 9th they are recording this on the 7th so for me if the pitch looks like an absolute turner which you know half half way before lunch the match the ball is going to start spinning i would think India will pick three spinners with Kuldeep as one of the spinners. If the pitch looks a regular pitch, they might even risk two spinners and three fast bowlers with Unadkat being the third fast bowler, whose role will be to hold one end up. I know you can't compare him as a you know much of a batter, but in that sense, Kuldeep has also improved his batting. So it will be, I dare say, as things stand, Ashwin and Akshar and Jay Jaydev Unadkat. But then, because Jaydev Unadkat also knows those conditions pretty well, so does Jadeja. So do every one of those bowlers. But for me, I agree, Shami and Siraj should start. The third bowler is the real one. And look, the other thing we have to also consider, right? This, this was, this was somebody tweeted, somebody famous tweeted. In the last completed first-class game at Nagpur, Vidarbha and Saurashtra. I think these were the two teams. I forget. Saurashtra was definitely playing. They were playing at home. So what happened is, I think they defended 77 on the last day. With nine wickets falling to orthodox left arm spin, and one to run out in the last innings, so the opposition made fifty-three, right? When you when you think of this, if the pitch is a rank turner, it will be three bowlers and no Kuldeep, but Kuldeep will be a bit tough for me, because then you would go for the steadiness of what Jadeja and um, Akshar bring and let the pitch do the rest. If the pitch is more more regular what you would consider something that will start breaking third uh, third day fourth day fifth day keep cool the thing right this is my thing so what about you yes in the, the case scenario what you explained right now that would be the right decision 
because if they wanted more from the bowler to create turn it will be kuldeep hmm. if they wanted the bowler to just put it on one coin hmm. or say in an area gotcha. it will hmm. be because because they don't give much time after the bounce for the subtle movement of the ball which will get the batsman in trouble so let's take the pitch away to the pitch question right now so what do you think the indian air courts saurashtra management the people who prepare those pitches what do you think they would have done with it will you give a rank turner to start off or will you give it a regular steady pitch so that the, may the best team win the regular steady pitch will be the answer because at least first two days hmm. there should be true bounce and something for the fast bowler hmm. and we have seen even in the history of nagpur some one days and test matches overseas teams have done well Hmm. including the most one i remember is the 2011 world cup it might be more than a decade away but south africa won the match against india in the last over uh-huh. and also south africa had a good time against india dale stein hmm. in a test match against india where i also remember badrinath was one of the batsmen so that was quite uh, far away from what we are talking right now in terms of time fair enough now but i think wasn't it in nagpur i think it was in mumbai Michael Pop Clark took 6 for 9 right yeah that mumbai and again murli karthik took those wickets for india right. to restrict them for a very paltry total and win the match absolutely so going on let's go on to the australian side so australia have some setbacks no mitchell stark no hazelwood so bowland is a pencil in and you have skipper pat cummins right so coming to their spin options right so you would think lion no doubts is going to start and with him you have two very interesting bowlers one is a todd murphy the other is of course aston agar so they are the three spinners and you have mitchell swepson who's a leg break bowler right so when you consider this how do you see australia shaping up so let's say there are two of their first choice um bowlers fast bowlers Mitchell Stark could be a real match changer in such pitches, but he's not available. And Josh Hazelwood again with his experience in Indian conditions and the steadiness, right? Unhittable lengths, more or less. I think he's very good at finding those lengths in no matter what pitch. He's not available. Then you have Lionheart, Mr. Cummings, right there. But then Boland, who's sort of an untried quantity and who may become, I dare say, a bit hittable in the third or the fourth day. So, with this in mind. Well, who would be your spinners you have todd murphy an unproven left arm uh, right arm off spin a steady left arm spin traditional spin in ashton nagar a master spinner in line no doubt and sort of an unknown spinner in swepson when it comes to bowling on subcontinent pitches i would definitely go with the experience of uh, leon and nagar ah. out of the spinners who are available there mm. they both are the most experienced and they can bat a bit also see they for australia <coughs> sorry it's a different question because they are playing away from home and they may, may require some runs from the lower order hmm. because there is a lot of chance with warner's uh, previous record in india that the top order men definitely will not get the score what they get at home hmm. or in england or in south africa right. on turning pitches in india so at least the first two tests we have to go with uh, leon and uh, agar Hmm. who also had i think the best debut score for a number 10 or number 11 which was 99 99 yeah, 98 yes. look that's fine he can bat 
but as a spinner he's not come much further he's not the game breaking spinner you may expect lion is yeah now coming to the fast bowling setup cam green is still struggling for fitness they say if cam green is fit we have no problems australia will have solved many a problem with cam green fits uh, cam green's fitness cam green we don't know if he's going to be fit so then when you look at australia's top order so david warner khwaja right and then steven smith marnas travis head i say no change yes alex carey no change top 6 nailed him who would be our last five last five will be cam green if he is available is an automatic choice absolutely cummins is the captain yes so he will be there mm-hmm. then we have uh, ashton agar nathan lyon ha ah. and bolen bolen okay yes. so what if cam green is not available what then we we'll have to always also go for swepson would you go for swepson ahead of maybe another batsman peter hanscom Yes, because Peter Hanscom off late, I don't think has played much of uh, international cricket. Indeed, he is smart. I mean, yeah. this is this is his comeback. Yeah, and looking at Indian pitches, it might be better to try Swepson for one game mm. and definitely go with uh, Agar and uh, Lyon for two games and on form, then carry on to the third test matches. Also, you will know the result of the first two test matches. Of Boland. what we saw in australia hmm. he was a grand entry into test cricket single digit <laughs> yes single digit uh. very good economy unbelievable economy uh. and strike rate yeah that kind of a bowler hmm. might once they it's i think in indian pitches it stops and comes yeah. giving more time to the batsman yeah unlike australian pitches which hurries a little bit bounces more and is much faster which cause trouble to the batsman as an unknown quantity all right as you said he would be more of a hitable bowler here on these tracks then comes the question so how about matt renshaw because matt renshaw can bowl possible off breaks i will not call it more than that right any chance he might play in the middle order simply because would they want cambron greens runs more than his bowling is the question then the question is Maybe it might be Pete Hanscom, but maybe it might also be Matt Renshaw. They both have forced their way back into the team. Cam Green really he brings that balance, and but more importantly, he's a much improved batter who can take time out of the game, who can swallow a hundred balls, score thirty-five runs slowly, but make sure somebody on the other end can extend their innings with him. This this maturity he has. I I dare say maybe Matt Renshaw can still be considered, but I think I agree with you. It will be five balls if uh, if or if. Cam Green is available or not? I think that will be the way Australia might go. So a quick call: Will Australia win the test or will India win the first test? Nagpur. I will definitely go with India. On home, the record they have, hmm. the confidence they have, and also see, yes, it is a switch in formats. Hmm. But again, it's a very different thing if you are playing an outside test match in one of the fast bowling countries hmm. and come back to India. you know your the teams i would say will be more even mentally right because even there what i come from here is a sports background right mm. i come from the uh, memory memory muscle memory right muscle memory you you are you are batting for example you are batting one and a half two feet higher 
mm. for the balls when you are playing in south africa and australia yeah. versus you are playing knee height and even sometimes below in right. indian conditions right so right. now the same thing even though there is a switch of formats for india the familiarity of continuing in the home ground will definitely have them more dominant i dare say i agree with you here i also in the bigger picture if you look at it if india can win 3 1 or better they have a chance of making uh, the finals of the test uh, championship once more right and it will probably be again these people right here so it's going to be a lot more uh, down the river but let's see how that goes okay now uh, that i think was a fairly exhaustive one but let's see i think uh, i'm going to look back at these same words uh, when we discuss the result after the first test definitely all right now moving on if you were to discuss some of the news from outside of the cricketing field well miki arthur returns as director of pakistan team cricket some people like misbah ullah absolutely don't like it so first of all it's sort of the regime changed so with shabash sharif becoming the prime minister of pakistan who's also the patron of the board there he's brought back one of his old favorites or one of their old favorites the brothers favorites najam sethi as the chief of the board and najam sethi i think likes the western methodology a bit more where somebody like mickey arthur fits into the process the process trumps the maverickness the results that are generated through sheer maverick nature of the players and so on but then i don't think it sits well with everybody misbah spoken out absolutely openly because one of the people that misbah had as his coach was actually mickey arthur wasn't he he brought in a lot of changes he brought in fitness regimes he brought in professionalism lot of curfews this that you know this guy is a very strict taskmaster so he he returns as director of cricket right and he'll have some assistant coaches with him they do bring their own specialists right this is known so coming back to the original question do you think this is the right choice at this point in time for pakistan cricket i would definitely go for yes because their batting hmm. is very well settled now hmm. compared to a lot of pakistan sides from before see the bowling was always there mm. and because of that even in the icc events they could get to the finals in anywhere they play mm. it may be england it may be australia as we have seen in the previous world cups mm. that was surely because of the bowling right especially the pace bowling absolutely now the batting the youngsters also are performing immediately mm. they have not taken time say for example even if we see the england series right even though the first test was a very good batting paradise for more than 3 and 1/2 days mm. and still england managed to get a result right but the ball batting now is more predictable than the unpredictable pakistan batting of before mm. keeping mm. that in mind this inclusion and the strictness the professional approach to the game brought by an outsider will definitely help pakistan cricket so what about misbah's thoughts then He's, he says this is a slap in the face of all pakistani professionals and so on is it just his emotions speaking out or yes it is more emotions than because even if you see india they tried even kapil dev na ah. before uh, our uh, new zealander uh, john wright john wright came in yeah see again that also had a great positive impact hmm. yes there was bengali's captaincy on one side which was very great in mm. terms of his aggressive approach and will to win you mm. know they were not going out uh, to draw test matches abroad they Absolutely. were going out to win abroad mm. so that is that but again it complemented the aggressive nature of the captain mm. with a slightly laid back but more information collective 
nature of John Wright. Mm. That might happen again with once you have this Western influence, you are going to have these time curfews and other things because which is not very great in our day-to-day life when it comes to the subcontinent. No, but they are professional sportsmen. Mm. That's all right. I can understand that. All right. Uh, next such appointment again in the subcontinent, Chandika Hathurasinghe. He is coming back as the coach of Bangladesh team for a second stint. They have left the T20 team with Sridharan Sriram. He gets the test in the ODI team. So, uh, we do see Bangladesh struggling a little bit, for sure. Right? Especially in the longer format and in the longer formats, if I may say, ODI tests. Is this the right appointment? Because again, absolutely similar sort of appointment, hard taskmaster. The board there likes micromanagement. This guy is the right man for that sort of a job. right? Not like, uh, you know, Russell Domingo who will put an arm around you and let you work your own way through. This guy will regiment things for you. And as long as you follow it, he expects results will follow. Right? So, right appointment from team perspective? Definitely. Because, again, see, as you see, mm. the graph is coming down after the World Cup mm. for Bangladesh mm. in virtually every format. Right. Even at home, mm. you know, and teams which they are supposed to beat, they have been uh, either uh, equaling them Mm. in terms of the series score or beating them. Mm. So, even uh, the series they went against Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe, Mm. Zimbabwe were able to fight very well against Bangladesh. Of course. So, which again, from the Bangladesh, what they had grown, Mm. say in 2015 World Cup, it is a downslide. Mm. So, appointment of a stricter coach might definitely lead to a positive result for the team. Alright. Let's hope both of these coaches do well, better than they did in the first stint, let's say. Right? And, well, always as we say, a strong Pakistan, strong Bangladesh will make it that much more interesting in World Cup. Yes. So, they have to be up and running as well. Yes. Right? Now, a couple of WIPL related news. One, the window has been announced of when WIPL will, play, will be played. So, it starts in March, ends in April. Right? And then, 409 players have thrown themselves on the auction list. So, that's that's a reasonable, reasonably good number of players. So, does the number, first of all, surprise you? Yes, definitely. 409 is a very big number mm. when you consider professional women's cricket. Right. And we have to say that even to get to this number, the growth has been very high. Right. Because if you look at history of women's cricket, mm. obviously England and Australia Right. They have had the maximum. Maybe New Zealand, occasionally. New Zealand and India, of course, are in the mix. Because with their overall uh, uh, dominance in cricket and their knowledge about the cricket, even when it goes to the public, Mm. is very high in India. So, they are always in the mix. So, now, with 409 players and the opportunity again, like the men's cricket, Mm. the way you perform in IPL, uh, it's a ticket to your national team. Hmm. That's how it worked for men's cricket, right? So, for many people, of course, some succeeded, but some failed. But it is a much more bigger platform for women than it was for men. Because men's cricket at the time my IPL started Hmm. was already kind of settled. It was something new and something bigger and better. Hmm. Whereas for women, it's a new beginning, I would say. Absolutely. I mean, the the advantages it will bring to Indian cricket as well as women's cricket everywhere. I mean, I I can't go through enough of those. But when you look at the dates, right? So, for me, that's the most important thing. So, 4th March to 26th March. 
So I was not exactly right when I said it'll end in April. So it'll start and finish in March. So it'll be a tightly packed schedule. But do we expect that IPL, men's IPL will also be sort of held somewhat simultaneously? Because this is usually the window. Mid-March onwards is usually the window where men's IPL will go on, but it's a longer tournament. It's a 50-day tournament, right? So, or do you really expect that BCC will make sure the WIPL is finished before the men's IPL starts? Something, some sort of an arrangement like this is definitely going to happen because they, it cannot be overlapped too much, then it loses its shine. No, but look, BBL always had a format where you would pay one price, you would get to see two games. One women's game followed by men's game in most days, on most days. Yeah. Isn't that a model that can fit everybody concerned here? Surely the pitches won't tire and they can play on adjacent tracks and so on. But more importantly, it will force the people who want to buy a ticket to also start liking women's cricket and make it that much more marketable if you are the marketing buff. But more importantly, it will give a chance for women cricketing heroes to be sort of established. And you might just one day end up going to watch an IPL day game simply to see the WIPL game through the men's IPL simply because that's a very predictable game or whatever. Won't you think this is equally important? Definitely, but it, I don't think it will come into equal importance right away. Mm. It will definitely take some time mm. because there are two aspects here. One is the WIPL starting, but the women Indian cricketers are all, already widely followed mm. by the followers of Indian cricket. Mm. You know, they are already household names. I would say, you know, at least four or five of them. Right. Arman Preet Kaur, Harleen Dior because of one catch. <laughs> I think that is uh, really turned for her. Ah. It made the star turn. Shefali Verma with her uh, Virinda Sehwag like batting. Right. Smriti Mandra more like Ganguly. He has uh, these uh, classical shots and using of the crease and stepping down and hitting sixes. That is and she is a mainstay. Absolutely. So these are the things. So Indian cricket, if you look at IPL and what it brings to Indian women's cricket, Indian women's cricket in isolation is already ahead. Uh-huh. What it brings the advantages to other country women playing in WIPL mm. will be more important. And Absolutely. Okay. Now, I mean, look, Australia have their own setup. England have their own 100 and 20 tournament. Australia BBL problems. I would consider that as the premier women's cricket tournament in the world, Barna, right? But uh, maybe WIPL, WIPL can grow and grow into eventually the premier women's tournament. And so on. Yes. So, let's see how it goes. I'm very curious about the scheduling. I'll keep an eye on this. So, one of the last things I wanted to discuss, Aaron Finch has retired from T20Is. About time? Yes, I think some of the matches he was also unable to move the score. Mm. At the same time, not getting out as well. <laughs> so, that is for him. Huh. You know, personally, he would have felt, okay, I am holding back a player. Mm. Unable to score and not getting out also. So, in that way, eating up a lot of balls. Right. And with the BBL, mm. which is has so many hitters now mm. in Australian cricket, right. finding a replacement with immediate performances mm. will not be very difficult. And he is getting old, obviously. I think he realizes that. Yeah. And maybe it's just, it's just his uh, skills sort of slightly fading with age, right? He's not that old comparatively. But I expect he will play a little bit longer in BBL, maybe a year or two, right? Definitely. 
So, I mean, we wish we wish him all the best going forward. Uh, he's won a World Cup for his country as a captain. That's that's always going to be a highlight for him as a you know player as well. So well done him, and I think he also won a BBL for uh, Melbourne Renegades, didn't he? So well done to Finch, and we wish we wish him all the best going forward. So now then, those are all the news stories that I had planned. So thank you very much. Wonderful chat. I couldn't feel the time pass. I think we've chatted longer than we intended to, but always a pleasure to have you. So before we let you go, would you like to plug any of your uh, any of your coaching activities, any blog you write, anything, any social media outlets? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. It has been, uh, I think, more than three years Absolutely. since we had the first chat <laughs> about cricket, and okay. it's very happy. I'm very happy to come back and discuss in detail. Because on a day-to-day basis, I'm coaching tennis mm-hmm. and not going in-depth into cricket, probably in my own mind, but not with somebody Absolutely. who has equal or more knowledge. Right. So in that way, it is a very good uh, thing for me, very pleasant for me. In my, As far as my, uh, I do have an Instagram uh, page uh-huh. for my tennis. Right. So it is C-H-E-T-A-N dot underscore dot T-E-N-N-I-S. So if you could uh, follow this uh, particular Instagram page. It's all about tennis, say about 80%, but I also fill it in with nature, food. And of course, a lot of facts about tennis. That is the main highlight. So people can go there. It will be definitely helpful. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, We wish you all the best going forward with your uh, coaching career. And as always, it's always a pleasure talking to you. But I take the point you made. Three years is too long between podcasts for somebody like you. So I'll remember this. And I think you've been too kind when you say somebody with equal or more knowledge. But I'll let that be. Thank you very much. So, we wish all our listeners a great day, wherever they may be listening from. So, goodbye. Goodbye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.